Fresh is a great word, isn't it? At the beginning of a new year, at the beginning of, of, of everything that we've got going on in, in life, fresh is a great word, but I think it's an even better feeling, right? When you experience something truly fresh, it's a great feeling. Like if you're a gum chewer and you've been working on the same piece of gum for two hours or three hours or four hours or heaven help you, eight hours, and someone hands you a fresh piece of gum and you spit out the old and you pop in the fresh, isn't that one of the best feelings in the world? When you, if you, if, if you open up a can of soda and you know, if, if someone handed you, you know, previously all you had in the world was a glass of, of iced tea. And I know, you know, my mother-in-law, when she hears me say things like this, she thinks I'm, I'm you know, destined to, destined to go to hell. I don't particularly like iced tea. So, so if, if, if all I have sitting around is iced tea, if, sweet tea, unsweet tea, whatever kind of tea, I'm just like, mm, that's nice. But if I pop open a fresh can of Mountain Dew, oh man, it's on, and it's about to get good. For some of you, the, the word fresh means, you know, when, when you think about fresh, you think about that fresh feeling when you get a fresh, when you, when you get a, a haircut. How many of you guys have ever, like, you've gone to the barber shop and you get the little, the little thing on your neck, the little, like, scarf? I don't know, I don't know what you call it. It's like a little paper scarf, and I don't know what, the, what they call this either, but I call it the haircut cape. They, get, they put the haircut cape on you, and then they cut your hair, they style your hair, they do whatever they do to your hair, and, and at the end of it, they brush you off, and they remove the little the little scarf and the little cape, and you stand up and you just feel so fresh. It's like, oh man, I can take on the world. I can conquer the world. I know that's what I feel as a guy. I don't know what girl, I don't, like if it's like, you know, if you start whipping your hair around, I don't know what happens at, at, for, for ladies, but that's, you know, that's, that's how I feel. If you go to the dentist, like, you, know, you know how like you go to the dentist and all of a sudden like the week before you go to the dentist, you start taking excellent care of your, your mouth and your teeth. You're like, ah, this week I haven't brushed my teeth in five and a half months, but this week because I'm going to the dentist, I need to make sure the dentist feels and you know, thinks that I have taken care of, good care of my teeth. So you like start taking your toothbrush to work, and you have that appointment in the middle of the day, and you've brushed your teeth going in. But at, but when you come out, I mean, your teeth feel so fresh. You think something's wrong. You think something is wrong with your mouth because it feels. It's like it's like oh wow, this is what clean really feels like. Wow, okay, this is great. I should do this on a daily basis. No, and so we, so we just wait six months. And we go back. For some of you, it's that you love fresh fruits and vegetables. Do we have any fresh vegetable lovers here? Well, like, get 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 you some carrots. Get you a fresh cucumber and it's wonderful, and then dip it in ranch so it's not fresh anymore, but it tastes good. And so it's, it's wonderful, wonderful. That way, maybe some fresh fruits. Maybe some of you, you're not fresh fruit and vegetable people. You love a sizzling fresh steak right off the grill, right? Any, anybody in here? Yeah, yeah, the steak right off the grill. Yeah, and the great thing about that is if you, if you eat enough sizzling fresh steaks, your heart will begin to talk to you, and it will say, please give us more fruits and vegetables. And, 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 the, and, the, and that's wonderful. For some of you, fresh is, a, is about clean. It's about cleaning the house, cleaning the kitchen. Do we have any kitchen cleaners in here where you're just like, you know what, it, like the second that I get the kitchen clean is the best feeling in the world. Like you want to hire guard dogs and like, like you're, you're like, you want to relax, but you know the second you relax, someone else will come along and mess it up. So you can't relax. So you're like, I'm just going to guard it. And if someone comes with a cup, I'm just going to swat it away. And it's one because it's so clean and it's so fresh. Fresh is a great feeling and it's a great word. And it's a great word for us at the start of a brand new year. It's a great word for us because we're at the start of, can you believe this, a brand new decade. Can you believe we're at the start of a new decade? And some of you, you have lived long enough that you have seen, like, you, you wonder why young people are, are so excited about the start of a new decade. You're like, yeah, I've seen seven of these. I've seen five of these. It's not that big of a deal. Nothing really changes. Let me just ask, how many of you guys were, is anyone in here born uh, in, the, in, the, in the O's? Do we have any O, o birthdays? Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, I mean, like in the 2000s. Sorry, that was confusing. 2000s, okay. Anybody born in the 90s? How many 90s babies in here? 80s babies? Yeah, 80s babies, 70s babies. Okay, we're missing some people. 60s babies, 50s babies, 
40, no, all right, yes, all right. Yeah, so we, like, you, 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 see, you see decades come and decades go, go, but what we all experience at the beginning of New Year is we kind of look at our lives, we look at where we've been, we look at what life has been like, and we think, there's some things that I would like to change. There's some new that I would like to bring about. There, this is how the, the last year ended, and I don't want the new year to begin that way. This is how the last three years have kind of looked. I don't want the next three years to look that way. This is what my career has been, and, this is, and, I, and I don't want my career to be that way anymore. I've been kind of lonely. I moved to a new city, and it's been difficult to make friends, and, and, and I don't really want, to, want, to, want the next decade to be, to be lonely and, 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 and haven't really made friends. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, you know, I've been single for the last four years, five years, six years, and single was fine at 20, but single doesn't feel that great at 25, and, I, and, and by the time, you know, I hit a certain point, I want to have moved in the direction of, of not being single anymore. Maybe it's that in your career, you kind of feel like you hit a wall at your current, at your current work, and you feel like, you know what, I want, I want some things to change. I want some things to not be the same way that they have been. And so I got to do some new things. I got to do some new things. Maybe you've, you, you've, you've, for like Jim Gaffigan says, for years and years and years, all we've done in life is gain weight. But yeah, this year we're going to lose. And, and, and so we think like, well, okay, yeah, I've, I've, I've gained some weight, gained some weight. This is the year I'm going to lose some weight. Maybe in, in marriage or in your parenting, there's some things that have been kind of frustrating. You think, I, I don't want to be frustrated anymore. I just want to want to change. All of us, when we hit the beginning of a brand new, a brand new year, we kind of hit a little bit of a reset button and think, I want some things to be new. I want some things to be different. I want some things to be kind of fresh. And when we hit the beginning of a new year or the beginning of especially of a decade, we kind of go, okay, I, it's, it's time for the new to begin. It's time for the new to start. It's time, for, it's time to, get my, to get my stuff together and really start to move in the direction of these new things. For all of us, we want something new when it comes to the new year. And what's interesting about that, and the reason I bring all that up, is for many of us, even for those of us who are Jesus followers, when we come to the beginning of a new year, we think about all the new stuff that we want for our lives and all the new directions that we want to go, and I want to do this, and I want to lose this, and I want to start this, and I want to do this, and I want to go there, and I want to do all these things. But very few of us us actually stop to think at the beginning of a new year, well, what, is there anything new that God wants? Very few of us actually go, God, is there anything new that you want this year? Is it, poss- is it possible that God even has something new for me this year? Is it possible that there's something new that God wants to start this year? And so today, as, as we begin this series, I want to actually just kind of begin this series by reading a, a, a passage from the Old Testament that I think points us in the direction that God actually does have some new stuff that he wants to do in us and through us and in and for us and around us. And this passage comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. Um, this is a, a verse that I have seen posted all over on social media throughout this last week. I think it's become the unofficial, you know, New Year's verse, you know, the New Year's Day social media post. But here's what it says in Isaiah, chapter 43. Isaiah was a prophet in Israel who wrote somewhere between 600 and 700 BC. Here's what he wrote as he looked around the nation of Israel at, at where they were and where he thought God wanted them to go. In verse 16, he said this, This is what the Lord says, who makes a way in the sea and a path through raging water, who brings out the chariot and horse, the army and the mighty one together. In other words, God's strong. God's strong. He just wants us to, wants to remember at the beginning of what he's about to say, God is strong. Who brings out the chariot and horse together, the army and the mighty one together. They lie down. They do not rise again. They are extinguished and they are put out like a wick. When God wants to do something, God does something. And then he says this in verse 18. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something. What's that next word? About to do something new. About to do something new. Even now, it is coming. It's on the way. Even now, it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way. God will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Make a way in the wilderness, that doesn't seem possible. Make rivers in the desert, that 
doesn't seem possible, but God says, what's impossible for you, I, I know is possible. And God says, look, there's some new stuff that I want to do. And so today, as we begin, I just want to remind us at the beginning of this new year that there is new that God wants to do in you. There's all the new that you want for you. There's the new that you want for your family. There's the new that you want for your career. There's the new that you want for your waistline or that you want for your hairline or that you want for all the lines in your life. There's the new that you want, but there is new that God wants to do in you. There is a bigger new than the new that you want for you. There's a new that God has for you. That, that, that this year, there is something new that God wants to do in you. There is new that God wants to do for you. And there is new that God wants to do through you. That God has new, through for, new for every single one of us. That as we start a new year, as we start a new decade, as we start a new whatever, God has more new for you than you have new for you. And I think we need to just be a little bit, of a, a little bit aware of that. That in the middle of, the, of all the thoughts of all the stuff that we want for ourselves, there is something bigger that God has for you than even you have for you. That God has new for you in this year. That there is new that God wants to do in and through and for and around you. And so the big question that I think then becomes, well, okay, if God has some new for me, if God wants some new for me, if God has something big, bigger than I think for me, how does God do those new things? How does God begin something fresh? How does God you know, bring us to a fresh start? How does God bring us to these places where, where there's something new and there's something better and there's something different? How does God actually begin the new or the fresh in our lives? And today, as we look to the story that we're going to look at, here's the big kind of lesson that we're going to learn. And there's a lot of, lot of little lessons that we're going to talk about within it. But here's the big lesson. Here's the big lesson that I think is so important as we start a new year and a new decade. It's simply this, that a fresh start begins with a fresh encounter with God. All the time. This is, where fresh, this is where a fresh start begins. In fact, I would say if you try to get a fresh start without a fresh encounter with God, you will end up frustrated with God and you'll end up frustrated with yourself and you'll end up frustrated with life because a fresh start that actually leads to anywhere that's lasting and a fresh start that leads to anywhere that's good and a fresh start that leads to anywhere that actually ends up changing your life for the better, it only comes through a fresh encounter with God. And when I say a fresh encounter with God, I mean a new, an understanding of God like you've never had before. A, a, a feeling of the presence of God, an understanding of what his salvation looks like, an understanding of what his redemption really looks like, an understanding that he really is the God who saves and heals and restores and brings fresh things out of the things that have become stale. That when we understand God for who he really is and not just who we've thought he was and not just who life has maybe led us to believe he is, when we actually begin to understand God for who he is, that's where a fresh start actually actually begins. And that's where all the things that are good in life actually come from. And so today, as we talk about this, this is what I want to help us understand. A fresh start, it always begins with a fresh encounter with God. And I want to show us what a fresh encounter with God looks like. And so today we're going to look through this Old, this Old Testament story. Um, it comes to us it's, it's from the book of Exodus. Um, and it's from this guy who is really one of the most famous people in, in the Bible. And even if he's so famous in the Bible, that even if you're not really a Bible person, or if it's been a long time since you've been in church, or if you, you know, maybe grew up, you know, and went to a few Sunday school classes or a few little things or, or whatever, you have heard of Moses. Moses is so famous that our culture knows who Moses is. And most of us in culture, we know who Moses is because of a little movie called The Prince of Egypt. Uh, if you saw that movie growing up, you know a little bit of the story of Moses, um, that Moses was the guy who kind of, you know, went into the land of Egypt, freed the Israelites, and yeah, 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 it's part of the Red Sea, and it's an amazing story. But what's amazing is that the story doesn't start with a grown man walking into a place of his own accord saying, hey, we're just going to free these people. The story goes back to the time when Moses was first born. When Moses was born, the Israelites were in slavery in the land of Egypt. Moses was in fact born into the middle of this incredibly dangerous time 
where the Israelites had been there, had been in slavery so long and had been so numerous and, and, and you know, multiplied and kept having babies, having babies, having babies, having babies, that eventually Pharaoh looked over the Israelite people and said, hey, I'm concerned that pretty soon there's going to be more of them than there are of us. And if there's more of them than us, they can revolt against us and they can leave us or they can take everything that we have. And either way, we lose big time if they revolt against us. So we got to slow down this population growth. And so what he tried to do at first, he tried to go, okay, let's just make them work longer hours because if we make them work longer hours, they'll have no energy when they go home. And so they'll stop doing the things that make babies. And so that'll be good. And so Pharaoh was like, yeah, that's a plan. And unfortunately, that wasn't a very good plan because they kept having babies. And in fact, really, they kept having more and more and more babies. It says, it, scripture actually says they kept having babies faster. It was, it, it was crazy. So, so, so Pharaoh's like, okay, new plan. Here's the new plan. We're going to kill all the newborn baby boys. All the baby boys under a certain age, we're just going to wipe them out. We're just going to kill them. We're actually going to require parents to kill their own children. Good plan, right? Terrible plan. Terrible plan. Awful. I mean, like when you think about that, this is a historical fact. It's like, oh, it's just, it's terrible. It's terrible. And so Moses' parents knew this was terrible. And so they disregarded the law of the land. And in, in, in one of those weird things where this is actually like good parenting, they took their you know, infant child, placed him in a basket, and instead of killing him, they're like, this is your best chance, bud. They put him in a basket and sent him down the river, which I'm pretty sure is populated with alligators and crocodiles. And it's like, hey, but we're better than those guys who actually you know, did what they're supposed to do. And so, like, so they send their baby boy in a river in a basket, and they send their daughter to kind of keep watch over the basket to see what happens to this baby boy, to see what happens to the basket. And what happens in this crazy twist of, of, of fate that only God could put together is that Moses, this baby boy, is picked up out of the river by none other than Pharaoh's daughter. And so she, she goes to her dad and says, Dad, we, you know, I found this baby boy. Can I, we, we, you know, can I keep it? We got, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna let's let's raise him here. And so, you know, and, and the dad's like, you know, a baby boy is a lot of responsibility. You gotta feed it and you gotta take it for a walk. You know, all this kind of like. And so they're like, so this baby, this Hebrew baby boy that was supposed to die is now going to be raised in the house of the very man who had tried to kill his people who's trying to wipe out his people. Only God can put this together. But so, so Moses is raised as an Egyptian, but eventually figures out, hey, I don't look like everyone else. My skin color is kind of different. My hair curls different. And, and my mustache came in earlier. Than everyone, or you know, whatever his, the signals were, Moses realized that Moses was different than everyone else. And so he started to ask the questions, well, why do I look different? And eventually he was told that it was because he was actually a Hebrew boy who, who was raised in the palace of, of, the, of the Egyptians. And so he, so he begins to kind of go, okay, well, what does it mean that I'm a Hebrew? So he begins to seek out some of his people. And one day, he's out looking. We don't know if he's looking for family. We don't know what exactly he's doing. But he's out among the Israelite people, and he sees one of the Israelite people being beaten mercilessly by an Egyptian slave master. And so he tries to intervene to help this, to help this other person. And in the, in, the, in, the, in the course of trying to help this other person, he kills an Egyptian slave master. And in, in, I mean, when you think about this, from an Egyptian perspective, this boy, we raised him, we brought him into our house, and this is the thanks we get. Moses cannot go home, right? Moses can't go back to, to, the, to the person who raised him, can't go back to the house that he lived in. And so Moses does what we all do when we screw up, when we, when we go too far, when we've done too, like, I mean, I mean, he has literally murdered someone, okay? So this isn't like, I made a bad choice. This is like, okay, mur murdered someone. Moses does what we all do when we, when, we make a, when we make a choice, when we cross the line, when we do something that we know is inappropriate, he runs. 
He runs from everything that he knew. He runs to some places that he didn't know what was, what was waiting for him, but he knew he couldn't go back to where he, would, where he had been. So Moses runs. He runs into what we call the Sinai Desert, and he stays there for 40 years. And after 40 years in the desert, which I mean 40 years, 40 years is longer than some of you have been alive. 40 years is longer than I have been alive. 40 years is, 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 a, is a long stretch of time. And I would imagine Moses had thought of himself, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go out to the desert and hide. Just wait till I die. Because, because if something good was going to happen, if something new was going to happen, if something fresh was going to happen, surely it would have happened back then. Surely it would have happened back there. Surely it would have happened 20 years ago or 10 years ago or 30 years ago or after one year in the desert. But it's been too long. I've gone too far. I've done too much. There's nothing fresh for me. There's nothing new for me. And God, in the middle of that, begins something brand new that would change human history, that would change the world. And it's just a good thing for us to remember that when you think you've gone too far, and when you think that life has passed you by, and when you think that, you, that there can be no road back to redemption, there can be no ba- road back to God, that nothing of life could change— it's actually at those moments that God begins to do the biggest things in our, in our lives and begins the, the freshest things in our lives. And so here's what happens in, in Exodus chapter 3. After 40 years in the desert, after 40 years of 365 days and 365 nights, and the sun comes up and the sun goes down, and I watch some sheep, and I watch some sheep, and I watch some sheep, and I'm out in the desert, and I'm just doing what, whatever you do in the desert all day long, all night long, every day, every day, every day. After 40 years of that, here's what happens. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? Which again, I mean, we live in a desert, right? Like if you see a bush that's on fire and it's not going anywhere, and it's like, that thing's been on fire for like three hours. It's been on fire for four hours. It's been on fire for, is the fire spread? No, it's just one bush in the middle of nowhere on fire. I gotta go check. The, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think God's gonna light any bushes on fire to talk to you today. But in case you see a bush that's burning for four hours, you should probably go check it out, right? And so Moses, in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the night, in the in, in the middle of there's no life, there's no vegetation, there are no plants, but there's this one plant, and it's on fire, and it's not burning out. Got to go check that out. So he said, must go check that out. When the, verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Which I just got to say, if a bush is talking to you, you have two choices. Believe that the bush is talking to you and maybe something really good happens or run for your life because you have gone insane and go check yourself in somewhere, okay? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to ask, over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses didn't run and think he had gone crazy. Moses leaned in. He said, here I am. <laughs> Which, I mean, if a bush knows your name in the middle of the desert, you're like, present? I'm here? I mean, I, 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 he says, here I am. And here's what this, what's so important for us to understand from, the, from these couple of verses. God begins something new by speaking to you. God begins something new by speaking to you. And you know that's true because it kind of rhymes, okay? Now, God begins something new by speaking to you. What, and here's, here's why that's important. God doesn't begin something new by speaking to someone else for you. God begins something new by speaking to you. And in the beginning of this new year, just as in the beginning of, of, of the, the story of the Exodus, God began something new for, for the nation of Israel by speaking to a person. 
God knew exactly how to get Moses' attention. God knew what would get Moses to look up, and God knew what would get Moses to look up long enough that he would lean in, that he would draw close. And when he had drawn close, God said, Moses. He didn't say, Israelite, person, guy, lady. He said, Moses, Tori, Sarah, Robert, George. God knows how to speak to you. God knows how to get your attention. And the way that he'll get your attention may be different than the way he'll get someone else's attention. But God knows how to get your attention and God knows how to speak to your heart. I've talked to people and I know this is true for me. When, God, when I feel like God is speaking to me the most, I feel like God is speaking in a way that I understand, which means that God gets sarcastic with me. And, and it's like, oh, that's a really good idea, Chris. I'm like, where did that come from? Like, oh yeah, oh, it's, it's God speaking to me and being sarcastic. But God, God knows how to speak to you. He knows how to speak to your heart. He knows how to get your attention. He knows how to speak to your mind. He knows what will draw your attention just, so, just enough that you'll draw close so that he can actually speak to you. And I believe with my whole heart, like I, 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 I'm pretty sure God doesn't like audibly speak to people anymore. I mean, maybe he does. I, if that's happened to you, I think that's amazing and wonderful. I, I've never heard an audible voice, but I have heard the unmistakable voice of God. I haven't heard the audible, but I've heard the unmistakable. And I know that for you at the beginning of 2020, if there's something new that God wants to begin and if there's something new that's going to happen, I believe God's going to start it by speaking to you in a way that's unmistakable. And, the, and, and so some of us, we just got to simply create the space. I mean, for Moses, it took 40 years in the wilderness. And for some of us, it means that we're going to have to turn off some music and we're going to have to put, you know, to, to close some books and then we're going to have to close the, close the shades and simply say, God, if you want to speak, like, I want to hear from you. What, what's the new that you want to do? What's, what's the new that you want, that you have for me? What's, what's the fresh thing that you want to do? I'm listening. God knows how to speak to you and God begins new by speaking to you. In verse 5, the story goes on. It says, God, God was speaking again. He said, do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, before we go on to another verse, I'm not going to put a note about this on, on, on the screen, but this is important to notice. God dictates the terms of the relationship. God's like, hey, draw close, draw close, draw close. Hold on. Before you come any closer, here's what I expect from you. Before you draw any closer, here's the rules for engagement. Before you draw any closer, here's the rules of how this is going to work. You take off your feet because you are standing on holy ground because you're in the presence of God. Not that the mountain itself was holy, but that the presence of God was holy. And you can't just come any old way before the holy God. And so God just simply says, look, I, I, I'm, I'm going to dictate the terms. And some of us, we have become really, really, really frustrated with God because in a relationship with God, we are trying to dictate the terms to God. And that doesn't work. The reason we're frustrated, we think that we get to play God to God. And God says, no, 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 I want to be God in your life and I want you to be you in your life. We don't get to dictate the terms. God dictates the terms. Verse 6, God then speaks again. He says, Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God, and most of us would be, and most of us should be. He was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So, because the, Israelites, because the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, he said, therefore, go. I am sending who? I am sending you. Like, sending me? Yeah, Moses, there's nobody else around. I'm, I'm sending you. 
Therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. In other words, God says, look, this is what I'm going to do. And Moses is like, yes, someone needed to do that a long time ago. Woo, this is what I'm going to do. And God's like, so I'm sending you. He's like, hmm, I'm not sure that's such a good idea. Because Moses knew what Moses had done before. Moses knew who Moses had been before. Moses knew Moses' backstory, just like we know Moses' backstory. But there's something really important to know. Because Moses knew backstory and we know it too, it's important to know that God also knew Moses' backstory. And sometimes God begins something new by reigniting something old. See, why was Moses in the desert in the first place? Moses was in the desert in the first place because as a young man, full of passion, full of excitement, full of energy, he got, I'm going to go help this person. I'm going to free, I'm going to help help them not experience the suffering of slavery. Woo! And in the passion of youth and the excitement of youth, with the energy of youth, he had misguidedly killed someone while trying to help someone. Okay, but Moses had this streak of, I want to help these people. I want to help these people. I, don't, I believe slavery is wrong. I believe the oppression of slavery is wrong. I want to go help people get out from under that. And as a young man, he didn't know how to channel that or how to, how to, how to, help, how to have that be a helpful thing. But God didn't, didn't sit there and go, mm, it didn't work back then, so we're just going to cast that aside and find someone else. God said, you know what? That thing that you were passionate about back then, I'm actually calling you to pick that up now and go with my power and my strength and my wisdom and my guidance. And that thing that was passionate in you before that you didn't know how to, how to handle, I'm going to show you how to handle it. And it's going to become something that will help people and will change the world. Sometimes God begins something new by reigniting something old. And so for some of you, there's been, some thing, there's been times in your past where things were going good and things were going right and you were close to God and you felt things were like as good as they could possibly be. And then uh, along the way, something happened that caused you to let go of some of the things that led to those things. For some of you, you had a time in your life where you felt really, really close to God. And you felt clo- really close to God because you were a person who spent time in the Word of God. You, were, you spent time in the Bible. You spent time spend, talking to God in prayer. Maybe you were a person who fasted on a regular basis. And you said, like, man, when I was doing those things, I felt so close to God. And over the course of life, you stopped doing some of those things or you stopped doing some of those things in the same way that you were doing them. And you wonder why you don't feel close to God anymore. And I want to just maybe today say to you that for some of you, if you want what you once had, you need to return to what you once did. And this time you need to bring God into the equation and say, God, I want to do this with your power and with your might and with your strength. And the thing that I couldn't hold on to before, I want to hold on to because I want to hold on to you. For some of you in your marriage, there was a time in your relationship, I mean, you got married because there was a time in your life where you could not keep your hands off of each other. It was love, it was romance, it was kissing, it was smooching, it was holding it. I mean, it was it like, like people looked at you and they went, Ugh, they're gross. Like, that, like, that's how much love there was in your marriage. It was so exciting. And 10 years down the road, 15 down the road, years down the road, you're kind of like, keep your hands off me. Like, keep you on your side of the bed. You keep on your side of the bed. Like, you, you use your snore strip, whatever. Like, you know, like, all those things. And it feels like the love faded. It feels like it went away, and it feels like it's not there. And I'll tell you why it faded and why it went away. You stopped doing the things that fueled the romance in the first place. And if you want what you once had, you have to return to the things that you once did. And you come back with the strength that God has. You come back with the wisdom that God has. And you come back with the maturity that, it, that experience brings. And you, and you say, like, look, no, I feel like the love has faded. Look, love may have faded, but love can be reignited. 
And so if you want something fresh, if you want something new, sometimes we have to return to something old. For some of you, you had an idea a long time ago of starting a new business, and you put together a business plan, and you, it was going to be your side hustle that was going to turn into your main hustle, and it was going to be the thing that was going to provide for your family, and you got really excited, and you had a business plan, and then when it came time to pull the trigger and leave your existing work, you're like, nope. And you shied away from that thing that God birthed in you. And maybe just maybe 2020 is the year to pick up, pick up that thing. For some of you, I mean, it, it, it might just be that, that you had a dream 10 years ago or five years ago about going back to school to take a, t- a turn in, in, in your career and, and, and move in a different direction. And you looked at your life, you thought, you know, with the kids, the age they are, and with our stage of marriage, and we don't know if we're you know, going to be here for like, you know, I don't know if it's the right time to do that. And I'm just saying, like, if, if, if God put that idea in your heart five years ago, five years may have passed, but God hasn't given up on the dream. And so sometimes God begins something new, not by just saying like, all right, blank slate, here's what we're going to do. He says, look, why don't you pick up that thing that, you, that used to be fruitful for you long ago and begin again. So sometimes God begins something new by reigniting something old. And for Moses, God was going to reignite something old and he was going to t- redeem it to be something very good. So verse 11, the story, the story goes on, but Moses asked God, well, who am I? Would you guys say, who am I? Who am I? But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's a great question. Well, who am I? Because he's going, again, I know everything that I know about me. I know everything that you guys know about me. Like, I know about the murder. I know that I was raised as an Egyptian, so the chances are the Israelites aren't going to particularly love me. I know the Egyptians, no one wants to see me there. Who am I? Like, why would I possibly be the person to go do this? Verse 12, God answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And if you read that the way that I read that, um, you know that God didn't really answer Moses' question. Because it was like, um, hey, God, who am I? And God's like, doesn't matter. What? <laughs> Because when we think like, well, God, who, who am I to do what you're asking me to do? Who am I to parent my kids the way that you're, that you're asking me to do? Who am I to, to, you know, to, to do this in my career? Who am I to start this new business? Who am I to, like, I mean, like, who am I? We, th- we want God to answer, well, well, let me tell you who you are, sweetie. You are gifted, and you are talented, and you are amazing, and I think you are just going to challenge the world. Yes, queen. You know, and you're, and you're going to, you know, like, and, and you know, like, is it, I, I hope God doesn't say things like that. You know, like, like, but, like, like, we want God to be like, I'm just going to affirm you, honey. Like, like, you're amazing. You're wonderful. You're so talented. You're so gifted. You're the exact right purpose. You were born for just this moment. We're like, oh, I was born for just this. Like, thank you. Okay, God, I just needed that, you know, encouragement. I needed that for, you know, to have the level of confidence that it seems like I'm going to need for this thing. Like, thank you, God, for reminding me who I am. I am beautiful, and I am strong, and I am confident, and I am all these things. Like, and God goes, who you are, I mean, as wonderful as you are, who you are doesn't really matter that much. See, God thinks it's not that important who you are. God thinks it's really important whose you are. And so God begins something fresh, not by reminding you who you are, but God begins something fresh by reminding you whose you are. Then Moses is going, hey, God, I already tried this whole thing before and it failed. What's going to make this different? And God says, I will. So you tried in your own strength and you failed, but you didn't have my strength. And my strength is going to go with you this time because you're mine. And you tried and, and, and you failed because you tried in your own wisdom and your wisdom isn't that good. But this time I'm, I'm going to be there with you and my wisdom is really good. My wisdom is really wide. My, my, my power, you tried in your own power, and, and your own power actually ended up hurting someone else while you're trying to help someone. 
And, and, and this time, my power is going to go. So, so what's going to make it different this time? I will. I will be with you. I am your heavenly father. I am your savior. I am your redeemer. I am the strong God that saves. That's who I am. And so as much as, as, much as you are you, God says, who you are only matters so much as your level of your surrender to God. So, so, so he says to Moses, look, Moses, like, I, think, I think you're wonderful. I think you're great. I think you're fancy. I think you're all the things that I wish people would be. But Moses, at the end of the day, I've come to you, and I'm asking you to simply surrender to me, to say yes to me. And as long as you say yes to me, I will go with you, and that's what will make all the difference in the world. You being smarter won't make a difference. You being better won't make a difference. You being faster won't make a difference. You trying harder won't make a difference. If I go with you, that makes a difference. So don't, don't worry so much about who you are. Worry about whose you are. And, God, and, 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 and I just want to remind us at the beginning here, whose you are depends on your answer to the question, whose are you? Who have you put your trust in? Have you put your trust in you? Have you put your trust in the people around you? Have you put your trust in your own family? Or have you put your trust in your heavenly father who loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you on a cross to pay for your sins because you couldn't pay for your own sins? If you paid for your own sins, it would be called justice. When God paid for your sins, it was called grace. And God sent his son because he loves you so much that he wants a relationship with you. And if he was gonna have a relationship with you, it couldn't be justice, it had to be grace. And so he sent his son to die for you. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God cares for you. That's what God paid for you. You are not your own. You belong to someone. And when we put our trust in Christ, it means we answer the question, well, whose are you? I belong to God. I belong to Jesus Christ. He's my savior. He's my redeemer. He's the one who bought me. He's the one who brought me from death to life. He's the one that brought me from addiction to freedom. He's the one that brought me from hopeless to hopeful. He's the one that brought me from, from lacking peace to having peace with God. That's, who I, that's whose I am. I belong to God. I belong to Jesus Christ. God will begin something fresh in you when you answer that question the right way. When you answer that question that I belong to God, I belong to Jesus Christ, I am not my own. I am, I'm not going to rely on my wisdom. I'm not going to rely on my power. I'm not going to rely on my strength. I'm not going to rely, rely on my own guidance and my own decision making. I'm going to let God guide my life because I belong to him. God will always begin something fresh when we remember whose we are. So the story finishes up in verse 13. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, Sorry, if I, if I go and they ask me, uh, sorry, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The unchanging, unshifting, unwavering, never ending, never stopping, never stop loving you God has sent me. That's what you tell them. And today, the never stopping, never stopping loving you, never gave up on you, unchanging, unwavering, unflinching God wants to begin something fresh in you. And he wants to begin something fresh for you. And he might want to begin something fresh through you. And so Moses says, well, who am I? And God says, well, let me remind you who I am and I'll be with you and I'll go before you and I'll be behind you and I'll lead you and I'll protect you and I'll guide you every step of the way. That's who I am. And so the question that we have is simply the question of, are we willing to let God be who God wants to be? Are we willing to let, let ourselves, to, to give ourselves to belong to our Heavenly Father, to belong to our Savior, to belong to our Redeemer? Have we given God permission to just do what He wants to do in our lives? 
Are we willing to let God begin something fresh, even if it conflicts with the fresh that we want in our lives? And so the questions that I want to ask today and that I would maybe lead us to ask today is simply this. If God wants to begin something new, maybe there are some things that we can do to recognize the new that God wants to do in and through us. And so there's four questions that I would love to encourage you to ask. I'm just going to teach you these four questions. You can write them down. You can write them down in a note. They're not going to be on the screen, so you can't take a picture. Sorry about that. Um, But here's the first question. God, how can I know you more? God, how can I know you more? I mean, I think, I think when, if we're looking for a fresh encounter with God, for some of us, it's simply going to be that we would be willing to say, God, if I, if I, I, it's been a while since I've had a fresh encounter or learned something new or saw something that I didn't understand before of you. So God, look, I, I just want to know you more. I want, I want to know you more. God, I, God, I, want, I want to know. Like, so how, like, God, how can I know you more? And if you want a few answers to that question, God will always show you who he is through his word. Always, and if and if you and, and and I say that not to not to not to be a, a person to lead you to any guilt or shame. For for 19 years of my life, I, I was a Christian. I was a believer in Jesus Christ. I was I was I, I was at church every week. I listened to sermons. I was the guy like, whew, I think I pretty much know the whole story. I've heard all the sermons. Of, like you know, I've heard all that. And it was until I actually and I thought I don't need to read the Bible for myself. I've heard all the stories. I've heard all the sermons. My parents had the you know all the all the videotapes. Like I've I've got all the, I've got all of it. Like I, like I know it all. And I'll tell you what when I began to actually, at the age of 20, open up the Bible and read it for myself, I'm just telling you, it changed my life. I understood God in a way that I could never understand him from hearing about him from somewhere else. And we should hear about God from other people. We should hear sermons all the time. I get that. But we should be people of the word of God. As we open the word of God, God will always show himself to us. We should, if, if you, if you want to know God, you spend time in prayer. You spend time talking with God. You can't have a relationship with someone that you never talk to. And, and, and the way we begin a relationship with God, the way we grow off in our relationship with God is by spending time in prayer, by saying, God, I want to talk to you. I want to have a conversation with you. And just so you know, the con- a conversation is not just one way. It means that you talk and you listen. For some of you, if, if God is going to speak to you, it's going to require that for five minutes a day, you turn off all the music, you turn off the TV, you close the drapes, you shut the blinds, you lock the door, you go lay down on your bed or you get in a, in a, in a comfortable chair and you just take five minutes to say, God, I just want to hear from you. And guess what's going to happen that first day when you do that? Probably nothing. And what's going to happen on day two is you might hear nothing. And on day three, you might hear nothing. And on day four, you might hear nothing. And on day five, you might hear nothing. And on day six, God might just whisper to you. And on day six, you will be really glad that you developed the habit on day one, two, three, four, and five. Because that single whisper of God is worth all the moments that you, that you felt like you heard nothing. And so, so we ask the question, God, well, how, can, how can I know you better? For some of us, it's going to be through opening the word of God. Through some of it, it's going to, it's going to be spending time in prayer. For some of us, it may be starting some new habit like, like fasting or maybe like something, something where you feel God when you're, when you're climbing in the mountain. I mean, like, I, I don't know how God speaks to you, but chances are God wants to speak to you. And, and, and we need to recognize God wants to speak to us. So let's get, let's get ourselves in a place, in a position and do the things that God always speaks through for us. So God, how can I know you more? Number two, the question is this, God, how do you, who do you want me to be? God, who do you want me to be? In other words, chances are this year, there's the, the, you, you know the gaps in your life like I know the gaps in my life. And, 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 and what's wonderful is we have a heavenly father who knows our gaps and loves us and loves us anyway who knows that there's a gap in integrity for, for, for you or for me, who knows that there's a gap in, in, in being willing to tell the truth when it's difficult. And, and, and our Heavenly Father, as we say, God, 
well, who do you want me to be? You know, we, we answer that question, well, I want me to be successful. I want me to be confident. I want me to be secure in myself. I want me to be this. I want me to, be, to have a happy marriage. Like we, 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 we kind of answer that question by going, well, what do I want to have? And God answers this question and says, well, I, here's who I want you to be. I want you to be a man of integrity. I want you to be a woman whose, whose word matters. I want you to be a person that when you say you'll be there, you'll actually be there. I want you to be a person that says when you'll be there, you will, you'll be there and you won't be 20 minutes late. That God says, look, here's who I want you to be. And so, I, so God's going to maybe point out some gaps. And God's going to say, I, I want to help you close them. And so if, if it's an integrity matter, God's going give to you, give you opportunities to tell a difficult truth that may be embarrassing for you, but God's going to give you opportunities to, to, to close those gaps. So God, who do you want me to be? The third question is, God, what do you want me to see? God, what do you want me to see? In other words, you know, I, I, I see my world like you see your world and you see the, the busyness of, of your day and, and, the, and the activities of life. But I have a feeling that in your world, there's something that God wants you to see that you haven't seen yet. And, and chances are, what that really means is there's someone God wants you to see that you haven't seen yet. And what I really mean is there's someone in your world who's struggling and you haven't seen it yet. And God wants you to see it, not just so that you can be aware of it, but he wants you to see it so that you can do something about it. He wants to open your eyes to see the person in your workplace that's hurting, the person in your neighborhood who hasn't gotten out of the house in two months because they can't get out of the house and they're too, and they're too afraid to call someone so they're, you know, so they're having food delivered and you're wondering why there's so many food deliveries coming to their house. It's like, man, they must be doing really well. And it turns out they're actually not doing well at all. They're really hurting and they need someone to come over and see them. There's someone in your world that's hurting. There's some people in your world. There's some group of people that's hurting in your world. And there's something maybe in our city that God wants to bring your attention to and go, hey, your eyes are open now. And your eyes are not just open so that your eyes can be open. Your eyes are open so that you can do something about it. And that leads to the fourth question, which is simply this, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? In other words, for Moses, this was, okay, God, I've seen the problems there. And you've reopened my eyes that it's still a problem. I didn't know if it was still a problem. I've just been in the desert for 40 years. But my, but my eyes are open. But, so God, what do you want me to do? And God, I think God might just say to you what God, is, what God said to Moses. Here's what I'm going to do, but I'm going to send you. Here's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to use you. Maybe it's going to be something on campus that you're just like, hey, maybe you're the person that's going to, that's going to help influence people to know Jesus on campus. Maybe it's that in your workplace that there's a Bible study that needs to start so that people who may not set foot in church for a long time could actually begin to know God in the workplace. Can you imagine? Like that maybe, just maybe, that in that, per, that person in your neighborhood where you see delivery after delivery after delivery, when you knock on their door and say, hey, is everything okay? And they say, no, everything's not really okay. Things have been pretty bad. That you don't just walk away going, oh, I guess things have been pretty bad, but you walk in when everyone else in life has walked out. God, what, not just what do you want me to see, but God, what do you want me to do? And I just want to say, at the beginning of this new year, I know God wants to do some new in us. I know God wants to do some new for us. I know God wants to do some new through us. Let's step into the fresh and let's step into the new. Let's listen to God. Let's have a fresh encounter with God. Let's ask God what he wants us to see, who he wants us to be, what he wants us to do and how we can know him more. And let's let him shape us and mold us into the people that he wants to be so that we can experience what he wants us to experience and do what he wants us to do. Let's let God begin the new that he wants to do in me and that he wants to do in you. Let me pray for you.